Hey, I'm Kevin Pettit. And I'm Martin Frazier. And we are Loud Americans Discussing Soccer, better known as Lads. Mm. Today is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Happy New Year! Shit! It's a new year! New me! We we haven't seen each other in a year. Wait. Three oh, years. We, no. we haven't seen each other. Well, technically, Kevin and I are looking at each other face to face through this <coughs> computer machine uh, telescreen. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen each other in three years. And that's all about to chain, ladies and gentlemen. Next this, week. This Wednesday, Martin Fraser, <laughs> Kevin Pettit. Uh, it's like that dumbass Rick and Morty sketch. Two brothers, and they got a brother. Um, yeah, we get to hang out next week and go to the United Coaches, uh, United Soccer Coaches Convention. Yeah, at the Pennsylvania Convention Center for two days. We get to be on Radio Row. Um, we're gonna have some cool ass interviews with like leading people in the industry, executives and shit. I I don't know how we got this gig. I do know how we were invited, but like um, and the guy um who invited us has been very nice uh i won't say his name on the pod i don't know if he would care but he's been very <laughs> great with like e- email communication um so just wanted to just give a shout out to that dude uh because for inviting us and giving us the opportunity so yeah should be a great time there's going to be executives owners people from all over the soccer world players coaches managers um yeah so i think it's going to be a really awesome time and we get uh you know hang out <laughs> oh yeah get a spin uh, our yarn with the best that the american soccer federation can offer and i cannot wait well uh, I, think, I think we can be professional i we have been like have before been. yeah <laughs> not not so much on like the pod and shit but like i guess we did go we did get invited to go be uh for the union the philadelphia union we went to the press box and got to yeah. go into the locker room we overdressed for that remember that we we, like, we were yeah we uh we uh we, we were the chickens before the, I, they hatched I, yeah we showed up in suits and all these other cats were in khakis and and like polos kevin and i are we looked the best but we stuck out like a sore thumb. I think we yeah. thought we were going to be like Super Bowl night journalists for some fucking reason. But <laughs> hell, there's still time, dude. Career's yeah. not done. I, I was Lee Dixon. You were Arlo White. And we are supposed to be like tonight at yeah. the at the uh, Union Stadium. I can't remember what it's called. Subaru Park. Yeah, Subaru Park or something. Um, yeah, except we had Jimmy fucking hanging out and chatting the shit with everybody in the locker room. Meanwhile, yeah. us two suited up yeah we're big j journalists bunch <laughs> of dweebs dude i know but i mean we did get to see bedoya and everybody's uh aronson i mean that's yeah. kind of sick to like look back on um, to be fair it didn't feel real the entire time it happened like i kept looking at kevin and giggling i'm pretty sure it was just a giggle fest for 90 minutes no we did not have any like uh professional media prep <laughs> um whatsoever we needed that um to be fair we went in blind we had no idea what again, the stakes were what we were doing who invited us <laughs> what was going on who the players were to be honest like we aren't mos heads i don't uh, even Kevin think we and- drank i think we really wanted like yeah, to be yeah. serious i think we drank a lot afterwards because we were like oh that was embarrassing i don't know what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. i don't think i asked the player a single question i think i just <laughs> yeah got we my- froze up dude <laughs> 
I think I just got my phone out and just was recording <laughs> other reporters <laughs> asking questions. I um, Snapchatted it. I still have the Snapchat video. Oh, of yeah, us you just do. being frozen. So, uh, yeah, Big J journalist, uh, but we're back, baby. Yeah. So look out for us at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Me and Martin get the fucking hangout um, for the first time uh, since before the pandemic. Yeah, that was the last time came to my Halloween party up in Boston yeah. Got and had a great time. So, all right. Well, let's get into the news, guys. This is a new year and we already have a ton of stories. So on this episode, we're going to be covering first <laughs> off Pele. Pele is no longer with us. Um, That's kind of a fucking bummer. Number two, huge U.S. men's national team drama. Martin's going to give his thoughts on it without (laughs) any of the facts. And then I'm going to come in where he has some of the facts, but I'm going to kind of fact check him and then bring in some of the new developments in the story. Does that sound right? I think so. I I was ahead of the curve. I was trying to break the news like Adam Schefter. I was trying to be a little shefty. And so I, I missed the mark on a couple things, but I, I think I got I got the gist of the story right. Yeah, so we'll break down the Geo Reyna Burhalter <laughs> dad <soccer>. family feud, <laughs> blood feud going on in U.S. soccer, and then uh, we also have confirmation of Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. We'll give our thoughts on that, and then yeah, we have a ton of Premier League. There's been a bunch of matches since Boxing Day, and kind of just do we're not going to be able to cover all the matches, but kind of just do like a, a litmus test. Be like, hey, how what's going on? Like my first thing when we get to Premier League, we'll be like. What are Spurs? Are they good? <laughs> are they bad? No one knows. So uh, before we get into any of that, uh, let's start off by remembering Pele. Uh, absolute legend, goat of the game to many people. Um, he had passed away just a few days ago and had la- left a lasting memory. He made uh, the beautiful game, the world game. Uh, if you don't know anything about Pele. He won three World Cups with Brazil, was a national icon, and pretty much was the biggest uh, promoter of the game, the biggest uh, icon of the game, almost till his you know death, essentially. I mean, my grandfather, who I was actually thinking about, Martin, was like, I want to kind of get like, just do like 20 minutes of my grandfather because he watches a lot of soccer. And even when I bring up Messi, Ronaldo, Maradona, Cruyff, Zidane, he goes, no, 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 no. Like, I got to watch Pele live. There's no one like him. So even the old heads still like respect him so much and for what he did uh, for the beautiful game and promoting it and uh, stuff. So um yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts? I, I just kind of rambled there for a bit, just trying to, you know, just trying to riff. Yeah, I mean, you know, with with all the um, ways that we talk about modern players and, and the modern GOAT conversation, I think that we have to remember that um, there was one man who started this all. And I, I think that we can elevate this conversation from the GOAT status to the benchmark. Um, I think Pele is that benchmark. Pele is the benchmark of greatest. And I don't think you can give uh, a greater achievement uh, to that. Um, and like you said, throughout his entire life, um, Pele was not just a, but the ambassador of football. He embodied football. He embodied what it meant to play football, his history, his own upbringing, the way he played, the way he danced on the field. He touched Almost everybody involved in the soccer world. 
And just like Ronaldo and Messi of, of this uh, age, he was synonymous with soccer. You could not mention soccer without mentioning Pele. And hell, 60 years later, you still cannot mention soccer without mentioning Pele. Um, this man ha- has a reach that will be around for ages, um, from Zico to, to Rooney to Johan Cruyff. This man has touched the greatest of all generations after him. And I think that it is important to remember that, you know, he was one of the first ones that elevated this game into something more, that carried on his legacy after he retired to promote this game and did so loyally until his death uh, a week ago or so. Um, So, you know, just a, a momentary appreciation for a lifetime of genius that Pele graced this world with and words won't fucking touch it but what a man what a legacy and and truly truly bigger than soccer I have found this post uh that I like to read out real quick Martin it is a quote from Pele and I think it kind of encompasses his whole just vibe and like what his essence is so um this is Pele From my point of view, what's beautiful in this sport is that you don't need to know too much about tactics or anything to see. If you find something beautiful, you don't need to be an expert to know it. It's like ballet. The reason it was named uh, Ginga was normally when we play against a European team back then, the European teams were very tough and physical. They were big and defensively solid. There were some in Brazil who thought we should make that our football culture. We would say, we want to dance. Football is not about fighting to the death. You have to play beautifully. And so we did. And that's the reason that Brazil created more of a show, more of a ballet. The ambition should always be able to play the elegant, to be able to play an elegant game. That's cool, man. I mean, what he did pretty much embodied uh, what Brazil's national team is now, what a lot of players, uh, I guess the greatest example would be like Ronaldinho or Neymar or any of the famous Brazilians and the way they have a certain like flair to the game. Yeah, and, and I want to just touch upon his his incredible success at a, at a soccer level as well. Kev said he won uh, the World Cup three times in, with Brazil in 58, 62, and 70. Um, he played a almost 20-year career from 1956 to 1977. Um, and he managed to be the talk of the world without any internet, without any internet. There was no viral videos for him to be the next uh, Neymar. There was no Twitter to see his highlights from uh, his youth academy, but everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. And everybody flocked to the stage to see him perform. And there are not many people like that in this world. And and like, like both of us said, I think he transcended from just a player to an icon and and performed that role incredibly well for the entirety of his uh entirety of his life. So I think that it's just absolutely important for us to recognize what he did in his career, especially as we rank Ronaldo and Messi and the likes at his level or above his level. Absolutely. I think probably when you mentioned that, like who else even comes close, maybe like Muhammad Ali, like in terms of like, mythic, yeah, yeah. Like, a, mm-hmm. like a mythic, but also world character. Like people, I, like someone would say like Babe Ruth, but I feel like that's more American. Like right. Muhammad Ali felt like that was trans- like transcendent. And, 
yeah, mm-hmm. him and Pele were just on a different level. Um, so yeah, rest in peace, Pele. Um, I think he's going to be buried at a uh, Los Santos Stadium, right? Today he was buried today, I believe. I don't know where though. Oh, okay. Um, so I think I thought it was going to be the club that he played at. I I'm not sure. I think I may have posted about that, but maybe that was fake news. Fake um, news. Um, and I hate fu- I hate fucking saying that. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's, I hate a lot of things. Yeah, let's get into some misinformation, into some collusion. Let's get into some the rumor mill. This is going to be our TMZ section. Uh, Martin, how about you kick it off? There is some drama in USA or US men's national soccer anyway. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, like I alluded to earlier, I tried to be the Shefty. I tried to be that uh, Fabrizio Romano. Fabrizio? Yeah, 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 whatever his name is. And uh, I hate that guy still. Um, <laughs> but I got wind of this thanks to a Reddit post of all things. I was trying to troubleshoot my motorcycle, but that's a story for another day. Um, so I, I get this early quick news about um, this individual who leaked to the United States Soccer Federation that she potentially had damaging information that if leaked would totally destroy Bert Halter's career. Um, And so I did a little digging and it turned out uh, that the U.S. uh, Soccer Federation launched an investigation into it and they found in 1991 he was in college, he was at a bar, he got in an argument with a woman and he kicked her in the leg. Fucking good soccer player that man is. Fucking always thinking about feet, not hands. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dissect. Yeah, that it. aside. I'm, that aside. I'm going to let you. I'll just keep cooking until I have to come in cooking. and stop you. We're cooking. It's it's oil oil smoking now at this point. Um, so kicked a woman in the leg. A uh, little argument. Little little thing afterwards. They go their separate ways. It uh, turns out this woman that he kicked was his girlfriend. Um, they ended up getting married. They had four kids. They are still together. Um, he went to individual counseling. Uh, and the reason I know that is because he pub- published a letter to Twitter, essentially lining out everything that happened from his point of view um, about it. And so my first thought was, well, shit, this is either uh, old Greg Berhalter's jaded ex-girlfriend from college coming out and trying to get him or it's some white knight who's trying to stand up for something in 1991 or it's it's just some weird ass fucking twitter thing where someone found something and we're bringing greg burhalter down anyway i just found it hysterical that greg burhalter is definitely getting fired but he's getting fired for this absolutely incredible incident incident rather than his horrific tactics and squad selection. So very American us. Okay. So first off, I'm not going to... This is New York Times fact checker right here. Yes. So I, I want to state that it is correct that he did get into an altercation with his then girlfriend, uh, then became his wife. And I feel very bad for the wife in this situation, bringing up like all this old shit. Uh, I don't yeah. want to down. I, I don't want to downplay that what he did was fucked up. You don't abuse yeah. domestically abuse, but this was supposed to be an in-house thing. This was a private matter that was a resolved, resolved. Yep. resolved with the families and stuff like that. Again, that is fucked up what Greg did. It seemed though he got counseling. If you think less of him because of this incident, 
I'm not going to judge you for that. That's totally fair. So I was trying to let Martin cook for a bit, but I just wanted to let, <laughs> I just needed to. I think that's a it. given. That's, yeah. a, that's a fucking given. Yeah. Maybe don't kick chicks in legs. Don't kick anybody in legs. Don't I, do I do, that well, shit. Well, well, yeah, we live mm-hmm. in like the fucking Andrew Tate world. So some people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to, you know, fair. put a fucking disclaimer on everything. Um. So, uh, the follow-up of what Martin said, I feel as though U.S. soccer would probably wanted to fire him anyway. His contract was at ending December 31st. So if they wanted to have like a little cherry, like I think they were going to get rid of him possibly. And this could just be like the easiest out to be like, all right, well, I guess this is getting leaked, whatever. We'll just make this the reason kind of, so it makes it look easier on us. But then, um, and his contract was running up, so it didn't even matter. Yeah. But where this story gets very, very juicy is that it has now come out and, and reported by ESPN and other credible sources is that the uh, deep throat, mm. <laughs> the uh, uh, alleged person doing this was Claudio Reyna, uh, who is Gio Reyna's father. He is not only uh, Gio Reyna's father, he is also a former U.S. men's national team captain. Uh, he, which, and this is where it's about to get real sad. He is both a North Jersey uh, Academy soccer player who played with Greg Berhalter in New Oof. Jersey. They were friends growing up. He apparently leaked the story and even more developments are coming out that his wife, Gio Reyna's mom, had also called the U.S. Soccer Federation, had been threatening the damn the drop this damn story and hurt greg berhalter's reputation um based on the poor we'll say world cup uh lack of appearances from geo reyna the seemed to have a very tumultuous relationship and then everything that kind of came out after the world cup where greg berhalter had released some statements saying like hey like he had a poor attitude talking about geo reyna he was not exactly getting along and like training hard um and some even the players noticed and the geo reyna release saying this is all bullshit so there's a lot of back and forth and then it seems though like it came to a head u.s soccer did an investigation greg berhalter put out the statement like martin said kind of laying everything out um, so yeah, this is fucking nuts. And I, again, I've already stated what Greg Berhalter did was shitty. That's there's no, and ifs about it, but he see he's luckily in this situation, which a lot of times don't happen. Like he sought help. He, they figured it out together. Um, I am not really okay with Gio Reyna's dad doing this whatsoever. I think it's real sh- soccer dad insanity my kid's not getting playing time so i'm going to do something fucked up and to get the coach fired or to make sure my my son starts um and also like i saw a couple people talking about this the fact that you just sat on this information for 30 years doesn't also look good for you dude like you just had this but like you think it was that bad but you only wanted to use it just in case like why didn't you reveal this 30 years ago or when you were playing with him or when he got the first time the job at the US men's oh because your son was starting it, it there's a lot of layers to it i think this kind of insane behavior by Reina's father here yeah I, I think at the end of the day the there are stark similarities to a peewee soccer game in this instance and fathers and mothers getting angry at coaches for not playing their sons, their eight-year-old sons. The only difference is uh, Gio Reyna is now 19 and he still has his mommy and daddy writing mean letters to make him play. Um, I, I think it is 
absolutely hysterical uh, that these these two parents have decided that the best way to help their son's career is to send a mean, threatening letter to the United States Soccer Federation alleging a, a, a an abuse 31 years ago. And I, I just want to put a couple cherries right on top of the Sunday here. Uh, Claudio Reyna, uh, Gio's father, uh, is the current sporting director of Austin FC. So it's not like this guy has just disappeared into nothingness. And it's not like his parents are just emailing at with hopes that they're going to fucking get their email through. These are powerful people in their own right as well. In so U.S. These, soccer, we, yes. we might. What if we see them at United Soccer? <laughs> I would love it. I no, would get, love it. I would love it. I would ask be like, how his wife's no, no, doing. No. Yeah, we'll we'll do like uh, our you know recipes. Barbara Walters. We'll have our sixty minutes. Uh, yes. Sit yes. down. Slam like, these. So when did you first decide? <gasps> I he said what? He said what about uh, your son? G. G- Oh, I totally understand just holding their hands and then behind yes. the scenes being like, what fucking nepotists, like fucking yeah. babies. Fucking weirdos. Grow the fuck up. Uh, yeah, no, this is just it, like, it this gets, is baby shit. This is baby shit. Yeah, this is peewee soccer shit. Grow out of it when your kid turns 14, goes to middle school and gets beat up. Um, anyway, there's some more nepotism and some intricate relationships in this uh, story. Uh, so not only is Claudio Reyna, the current sporting director of Austin FC, um, but they remained friends after being uh, friends in the New Jersey Academy Soccer Club. Uh, they were friends throughout college and throughout their professional careers. Uh, even more so interesting is that uh, Gio's mother, Danielle Reyna, was friends and teammates with Rosalind Burhalter through four years at the uni- University of North Carolina where this incident took place. They were teammates while this took place, which means they were probably fucking there when it happened. Happened. So it just gets crazier and crazier the more you dig into this fucking story. It, they all know each other. They're all friends. And mom and dad, Raina, had a mental fucking breakdown that Greg Berhalter... Oh, I got more shit. Ready? Yes. So th- this is from U.S. Men's National Team only on Instagram. They've been dropping like statements and stuff that have been coming out from both sides. Like he, they dropped the Greg Berhalter statements. They've been showing stuff uh, from the Claudio Reyna and the Reyna family. So this is from D- uh, Danielle Reyna. This is the mom. She says, to set the record straight, I did call quotations u.s soccer sporting director ernie stewart on december 11th just after the news broke that greg had made negative statements about my son geo at the leadership conference Mm. um i have known ernie for years and consider him to be a close friend wow um why would don't say any shut up why don't no shut up stop digging your hole (laughs) you know how i know people are dumb is when they talk to the press like it's like or talk to the police or anything like that like the police aren't your friends. They're not here to help you. Not even that. It's like everything of this will be used against you on yes. like a, and also on a dumbass podcast. All right. Uh, she goes on to say, I wanted to let him know that I was absolutely outraged and devastated that Gio had been put in such a terrible position. And that I felt very personally betrayed by the actions of someone Oof. my family had considered friends for decades. Okay. They right there said considered <sighs> friends for decades. How about I ruin this man's fucking life? <laughs> what? These people are psychos. 
they are mentally unwell that they would go and be like, you know what? You were my friend for decades. And then you said something about my son who could easily just bounce back, play well and get himself back into the U S men's national team team. Like he was also coming off a knock. Greg Berhalter was, you know, working out things like Martin, like, I think it easily could have happened where he could have just, this could have all just been a nothing burger and gone away, but you elevated to such a way that like, if I'm Gio Reyna, which we haven't really talked about this part, like, I don't really think Gio made his parents do any of this. I think it's really more, this is just speculation. Maybe Gio is a little fucking twat and like went to his parents, like cried to his parents to go do something. I don't think that's the case. I think it's more the parents did this and like how embarrassed you must be to be Gio right now. Yeah, I I think that is certainly uh, not being mentioned enough right now. As long, like Like imagine being his, uh, sorry, just imagine being your uh, U.S. men's national team teammate to him right now. Like, what yeah. do you like? Oh, you don't get your way. Your mommy and daddy are going to save you. Like, how do you respect that guy? Like, and I'm sorry, like, but that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. And and I think that. As long as Gio wasn't actually involved in this, this is this has to be absolutely horrific for, for him um, to be absolutely embarrassed in this type of way. Um on a statement that was put out by Greg Berhalter that essentially said that a player was not meeting his expectations at the World Cup, so he was not going to use it. And in all honesty, that is a blanket statement, but that encompasses what uh, Greg Berhalter said. And it is worth noting that Greg Berhalter in the, in the past had consistently mentioned that Gio Reyna was like family to him, that starting Gio Reyna was like starting his son, like starting a family member. So there was a, a deep and loving relationship there. And, and so much so that Gio himself apologized for his actions and for not meeting expectations at the United States World Cup camp and for not meeting the expectations set forth by the United States coach, Greg Berhalter. So it seems like it seemed like this was all contained in-house. There was an issue with his expectations. Greg Berhalter spoke out on it, which he is entitled to do as a coach. You see it week in and week out with Jose Mourinho, Ten Hag, any any coach in, in the in the Premier League or soccer world. Um, and now all of a sudden, two weeks after the incident, we're getting hit with this news that his mother and father sent threatening letters about Greg Berhalter when it seemed it was resolved between the coach and player itself. So, like you said at the beginning, incredibly embarrassed for Gio Reyna at this stage if he was not involved. And his parents are dumb as fuck. Like, in what world does this plan work? In one situation, you you now... It's not the Wild West. You're not going to blackmail someone and it's going to work out for you. It's going to get leaked. It's going to get leaked that, one, it was you, since apparently you're all a big fucking family. You're all a big cabal, <laughs> eyes wide shut parties happening, like yeah. you and all U.S. soccer all know each other and suck each other. So I got to say, um, what was the plan here? Oh, we get Greg out. They find out it was us who did it. Now this new coach is going to have to think there's someone looking over his shoulder every minute being like, oh, if I don't start this geo kid, his parents are going to get me fired, too. Like. Where's the thought? It's so dumb. This is like the dumbest plan I could have thought of. Um, If you wanted to get your son, you know what? I got your son back playing. 
him just doing his job as he was. Like he was, this would have all gone away if he just kept playing for Dortmund and doing exceptionally well, which he was and still is. So I don't know if I'm Gio right now, I just, I would just stay off social media. I would tell his parents to flush their phones. Don't talk to anybody. Cause from me just reading that statement about the mom, I'm just like, stop talking to the press. Don't release any statements. Stop talking to the press. I get Greg Berhalter releasing a statement when he has damning accusations against him. Um, but this stuff, right, is just, right, absolutely. But like, why would the parents come out and just essentially like, oh, like the uh, what's uh, what's that show? I wish you, I, I think you should leave. Uh, it's like the bit where he's like, look, he admitted. So I don't, I don't know. Um, anything else on U.S. men's national team drama? Uh, and it, look at us like defending Greg, which we never liked Greg as a manager, really. But personally, we never really had any issues with him. We were just like, ah, we don't think he's up to snuff to coach the U.S. soccer team. But I mean, personally, like I have a lot more respect for the dude. And even though what he did with his then girlfriend and wife is shitty and he shouldn't have done that, like, I don't know, like, I feel like he's getting blackballed um, for something that happened like over 20 years ago and seemed to have been a resolved private matter, like I said. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think, like, like you've reiterated, how did how did you think this was going to end up? What was the best case scenario going forth with this plan? Um, but at this point, you have humiliated your son, a United States national team. You quite possibly have ostracized him from his teammates and his publicity, whether it even reaches his Dortmund uh, teammates. You never want to be known to be the guy who's, whose mom is going to come in and, and save the day. Um, so in an instant, in a 24-hour period, I believe that Danielle and Claudio Reyna have become the most interesting people in the soccer world. Move the fuck over Mauro Icardi and uh, what's his wife? Fucking Wanda. Wanda Nara. Um, yeah. <laughs> These two people fucking replace you guys. Uh, TMZ all over this fucking shit. Come back to us for more misplaced, way too early predictions from me and New York Times fact-checking Kevin behind me. Yep, I am uh, 100% just there to give my spotlight or what's that new movie she said, which I haven't seen yet. Her, this is very good, but to give my, you know, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning fact-checking here. So, you know, the last movie I, I found out was coming to theaters before it actually got to theaters. What? I don't know. Oh my god! I I, I don't fucking know. Like the la- I I thought theaters were still shut for from the pandemic like six months ago. I had no <laughs> idea they were back open. We'll go see Jimmy Cameron's Avatar 2, baby. Absolutely fucking not. Oh baby, it's breaking <laughs> records. It's fucking beautiful. It's fantastic. Absolutely not. Big I Jim refuse. does not lose. Big Jim, all he does is win. So. I wish he just stuck to exploring like the uh, Mariana's trench, the deepest fucking trench in the entire is. world. He's still dropping documentaries Focus on that shit. He Focus loves water. He loves the ocean. He's he a real ocean water. guy. He's um, a real water guy. He's, he's a water type Pokemon. He's, he's soup. He would be. He'd be like Blastoise, just fucking blasting <laughs> shit. Yo, I'm um, James Blastoise Cameron. You know what? I will give you a movie recommendation that you would love. Go watch Banshees of Inchiran. You would love it. Banshees of Ed Sheeran. In, <laughs> fuck you! It's <laughs> Banshees of Inchirin. It's with Colin Farrell and uh, fuck the other guy from In Bruges. Uh oh, fuck! I know him. I see him. Uh, Gleason. 
Brendan Gleason. Brendan Gleason, yes. I'm Ian Leeson. It's about two head. it's about two friends breaking up. And when uh, Oh, I've seen that's yeah. I, I saw I did see fucking a, a promo for that. That looked good. I still have to watch Prisoners. It's on HBO. Oh, Prisoners. I don't have uh, HBO. You have torrents. You can VPN shit. You can steal it. I have it. no idea what any of that shit means. I'm not 14 anymore. Hypothetically. <laughs> um Wire, I could. LimeWire, that's what I'm looking for. In all honesty, I'm looking to go back to the good old days of LimeWire. Uh, just record on cassette tapes and then just like make your own mixtapes. Yeah. Fucking burn my own CDs. Heck yeah. Beam me okay. up, Scotty. All right. Let's do our Premier League recap. Um, so a lot of matches have occurred since Boxing Day. The way the table sits as of the moment is Arsenal still in first. Nice. Man City in second. Newcastle still in third. Tied on points of Manchester United. Then Tottenham, Liverpool, Fulham, who got a nice win. Brighton, Brentford, and then Chelsea in 10th. Uh, some people have played 17 some people have played 16 some people have played 18 so it's all like lining up quite differently at the moment but um i guess the first storyline i'd like to talk to is from today's matches is what is spurs are they good is good spurs i i have never had a team that baffles me as much as antonio conte's mid-season spurs uh just they're hot and they're not now they're not, and they're hot. Harry Kane is on fire. Now he's not. Huming Son is the best player in the world. Now he's not. Uh, Hugo like, Lloris is making gaffes. Now Hugo Lloris is a World Cup winning goalkeeper. I just cannot get a fucking Matt peg on Doherty this team. is just messy now. I don't understand what is happening. And again, Harry Kane, if it wasn't for fucking uh, Erling Holland, would be having a phenomenal season. I think he's at what 12, 13 goals now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it is fucking insane that Erling Holland, uh, we'll we'll get to his game, but is is still scoring. And Harry Kane, if he scored, if he had this Manchester City team around him, he'd be right there. I swear to God, Harry Kane can make nothing out of something. And I will give credit where credit is due. Jose Mourinho made Harry Kane a complete forward, and changed his game dramatically and drastically. To the point where he quite literally will drop back from a forward position just like Messi of the old and create plays from that midfield and then go up, run across the field, and finish those chances. Um, if not for Harry Kane, this Spurs team would be mid-table. It would be it would be a fodder. And look, Kev, I think both of us can agree Huming Son is fantastic when he's on one. But I don't think there are very many people like Harry Kane when it comes to consistency. Yeah, we make fun of his second <clears throat> half of the season injuries, but Harry Kane is the reason the Spurs are doing so well. And I think that, you know, we, we fucking joke that if he doesn't leave Spurs, he'll never win a trophy. But this man deserves better than Spurs at this point. Yeah, but we've been saying that for almost a decade now. I like, know. It, it feels like time has fucking... Time's a flat circle, dude. It's, it's done. It's gone. His career's over. I... Yeah, I don't understand this. From losing on the beginning of the new year to Unai Emery's good evening, 2-0 at Aston Villa. Uh, Not at Aston Villa, but against Aston Villa. I I mean, 
And then the show up against Crystal Palace, who are probably pretty comparable in terms of quality as Aston Villa, probably a bit better, better managed. I think I would take Unai Emery over, you know, our our guy, Patrick Vieira. But I mean, to actually just smash Crystal Palace like that, I don't know, man. I just, I have no read on this team whatsoever. So like, if they play like this and I'm like, oh yeah, top four for sure. But then next, like, and it, this also sucks because we have the North London Derby coming up this weekend. Or is it this weekend? Is it really? Because if so, we're about to have the fucking weekend of our lives, Kevin. It, brother. It's uh, January 15th. Yeah, we have the Manchester Derby Saturday. We have the North London Derby Sunday. Wow. That's, I, that's, I, that's, that's I awesome. I might have to fucking stay. I think you might have to stay. Oh, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. Well, I guess we'll go to Black Sheep, the Philadelphia yeah. Uh, yeah. Manchester United bar on Saturday. I know, oh. I know, I know you're craving that. I um, am. I brought it up to my girlfriend the other night, and I, I had this faraway look full of mystic and magic in my eyes, just reminiscing about the grimy streets of Philadelphia at seven thirty oh, in the morning outside of Black Sheep. Oh, it's, it's even grimier now. I love it. Uh, yes. But if we're going to keep going around to say, like, how's everybody doing? I guess we can do a quick litmus test on Arsenal, who had a nice showing against um, Brighton on Saturday. Uh, 4-2 got a bit iffy for a moment there, especially towards the end. There was a, a goal called offside. But I mean, Arsenal were pretty dominant throughout this entire match. Um, and then a Pretty okay draw against Newcastle. I think Newcastle kind of parked the bus, but still top of the table, still showing strong. I feel like Newcastle, you know, teams are going to start gunning for us. And can we officially say, like, the title is ours to lose? There is that weird stat that no team after the new year with this amount of points has ever blown the league. You know, hold my beer, Arsenal. Please don't fucking do this to me. But um, what are you feeling, Martin? I mean, I feel like this team, I think that the main thing is we're lacking more alternative uh, attacking options from off the bench. Like without Gabriel Jesus, I love Eddie. Eddie had a lot of good chances against Newcastle. I love Martinelli. I love Saka. I love these boys, but they're all very young. And I feel like we're lacking experience up top at the moment. Yeah, just to start off on on the positives of, of this Arsenal squad. I mean, I think that going into every single game, uh, this season, you guys have improved dramatically on on pretty much all aspects uh, compared to last year and the years prior. Um, going into games against Newcastle, where you know they are going to sit back and you know they have that quality to spring back on the counter and, and poke a goal in through the likes of Almiron um, or say Maximo or someone of the like. Um, and I believe that Arsenal of yesteryear could have lost this game quite easily to a, a, just a shysty counterattack goal, a, a shysty moment of a lack of con- uh, concentration. And, you know, from the back all the way to the forwards, um, I think this Arsenal team seems incredibly in sync, incredibly goal-oriented and goal-minded, where they know their, they know their job. They know what they have to do to win this game, to get points from this game. And Arteta has gotten them to this point incredibly well. Um, And it is incredibly uh, well-driven into their discipline. And you can see the maturity, even though you say that they are young players, these are quite mature players. And I think that none are more mature than Martin Odegaard. Um, And just to look at Martin Odegaard's story, 
and a sensational uh, teenage star um, sent to Real Madrid at the likes of 16, 17 years old and absolutely out of his league, absolutely ostracized from the team, written off as a flop for years by the media, fans, and teams alike. Got his, got his comeback um, out on loan um, and then got a loan to Arsenal and, and quite genuinely never looked back. I remember when he first started for you guys, his first season on loan from Madrid. I, I remember being afraid for you guys that Madrid was going to see his potential and, and take him back for good. Um, awesomely, you guys got him on a permanent deal and it's paid dividends. So much so that Real Madrid is already talking about wanting him back to this uh, Santiago. No. Um, yeah, no. That's what everybody's response should be. Um, so this team as a whole, when you're looking at the positive, it, it's just, it rains in abundance. Um, and I, I still, uh, don't really have anything negative to say about this team. I don't see any glaring weaknesses. The only thing I can say about this Arsenal team is fucking caution. You know, everybody knows how good fucking Manchester city is. Um, and just a personal aside, the better Manchester United gets the, more I root against Arsenal and, you know, go back through our, our entire podcast this season. You'll, you'll see that I've been nothing but supportive of this team because it's a fun, great team to root for bunch of likable fucking characters, fucking plucky underdogs and just winning people's fucking heart on talent on the goddamn field. Um, so as long as this trajectory uh, continues, I think that, you know, it's your title to lose, but, like I said, I caution, caution, caution yeah. the consistency of City. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of transition over to Manchester United, but thank you. There was some very nice things you said about Arsenal. I think it Shut is. Up. Okay. No, no. Uh, um, <laughs> let's talk about Manchester United. I have some stat that is probably worthless, but worth noting. Um, win percentage after their first 25 games at their club. Eric Ten Hag. Has the number one highest, 72%. He's, he's peaking too early. He's peaking. Uh, this might be bad for you, Mar. Number two is Thomas Tuchel of 68%. Yeah, and then it's like Jurgen Klopp, fucking Pep at 56, 48. Yeah. And Arteta yeah. At somewhere in there, too. But you've only lost one game in your last 16, had a dominant performance against Bournemouth, and this Rashford revival, which I think we touched upon a little bit in the last game, him, Casemiro, all your players that you want to perform are performing. So, I mean, I I'm I think you're really seeing this Eric Ten Hag thing finally. Like enough games have passed to be like, woo, we got something here, right? Yeah, and and here's another worthless stat for everybody's collection. Um, if you disregard the first two games of the season where Manchester United was humil- humiliated, um, lost on an aggregate of six to two. Um, if you disregard those two games and you look at the table from week three onward. So, like I said, horrible fucking stat in a make-believe situation. But if we do look at that, Manchester United and Arsenal are tied on points at the top of the table. So, as I do uh, write all these rhymes of fucking wonderful words for this Arsenal team, I have to fucking do the same for uh, Manchester United. Because Eric Ten Hag is everything I wanted in a coach. Um, and I will double down on my, uh, statement that the fools of modern soccer who were calling for his head after the first two games of the season have absolutely been proven wrong. He is the disciplinarian that this team needed. 
He is the tactician and he is the no nonsense approach when it comes to um, transfers and actual team business. Um, look at Marcus Rashford. Why didn't he start um, the game against uh, Wolves? Because he showed up late to a team meeting. Best player on the pitch, no doubt about it. But you show up late to the team meeting, you're getting benched. And that's exactly what happened. Fucking Ten Hog brings him on at halftime and he scores an absolute worldly. Actually scored a second one, but it was ruled off halftime. That's how you light a fire under uh, a, a individual's ass. You fucking discipline them. You keep them in line. You you, you send them, them for their- to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes. You get out of my team. Um, but, Kev, you said Casemiro. Um, maybe there is a gun. You know? Maybe, uh, maybe there is a gun. Are you a believer? Gun. Are you a believer uh, now? You know what? Uh, Casemiro is my fucking religion. Because, good lord, <laughs> can that man run a midfield. Uh, the Ericsson casemiro partnership is a match made in heaven and it allows Bruno to just fucking do wonders wherever the fuck he wants to go. And no it, worries. No worries in the yeah. world. And that's his best fucking position to just fucking influence the game from everywhere. So quite genuinely, I'm happy with my team from top to bottom. I'd love to build on this consistency. Um, I will take a quick second to just shout out the man who has had a top 10 worst career of all time. Donny fucking Vandebeek, man. A horrific, a horrific injury um, that sent him off on, I believe, one of his first starts of the season. Um, and it, it looked real bad. I mean, I saw the still, um, from the tackle itself and his leg was like a bendy straw. It was not looking good. So quick shout out to him. Um, Luke Shaw, my man, he's back, baby. Uh, Maguire stepping up 10 hog man in 10 hog. We trust. All right. Yeah. I am actually in terms of teams I'm most scared of at the moment, it's definitely man city one. And then probably Manchester United right behind there, um, not too far off. Uh, I guess we can talk about Man City. Um, they play Chelsea tomorrow. But in the meantime, we did get, which is, this is actually insane to say. And it makes sense that it happened last year because um, this year I wouldn't have said it. Um, Man City drew against Everton. And then Everton... Wow. Everton got their Everton got their absolute shit rocked by Brighton. So tell me how that makes sense. But (laughs) Brighton was like, "Hey, Arsenal beat us. We deserve this win," and they certainly did. Um, So Erling Holland still scoring. I am trying to kind of do a Chelsea Man City thing right now because Man City, I think, are before we're really respecting Arsenal's title charge. And I think they really are now. Pep had even come out and said, which I don't know if he's doing mind games. I don't know if he's fucking with us. He's like, if they keep on this, they could break a hundred points, which has only been done ever once by guess who? Pep Guardiola. Yeah. So I don't know if he's fucking with us right now. I don't want him to say anything about us. Honestly, I just want him to be like, they're an opponent. That's all I want him to say. Um, But anyway, that matches tomorrow. Uh, So I have quite, a bit of confidence that Man City is going to beat Chelsea because I don't really have faith in Graham Potter at the moment, which sucks because we love Graham Potter. But now Brighton has kind of showed that the system is bigger than the manager, that they've had all these players leave and they can still play phenomenally. And like they even almost came back against Arsenal. So um, and are, are in a great position in the table at the moment. 
I think they're what, like eighth or something. I know Fulham's up there in like seventh. I mean, Brighton is in a really good spot in the table at the moment. But I guess the other big thing to talk about with Chelsea is their spending that allegedly they're going to be going after uh, Enzo after the World Cup, which I had said at the beginning of the season, you could have seen him going for like five or 10 million. Now he might be going for 125 million euros. And uh, the Bowley family, this American owner is not playing around. If we take in Cucurella, uh both the Fafanas, uh, Koulibaly, Abamie. I mean, there's tons of tons of uh, different players that are seemingly all coming into Chelsea. They're looking at almost like $600 million, Martin, in the past like a uh, couple transfer s- seasons, you know, like pretty astounding amount of money coming into Chelsea or being spent by Chelsea. So I don't know if that's going to be the full correction if if they think Kai Havertz and Mason Mount are still the future and they're trying to fill in some of the other spots but I don't know what are you making of Chelsea well I mean first and foremost I I think I uh, kind of predicted this when the American takeover was completed um I've seen it happen Kev I I you have seen it happen and I think that uh, there is a very, very big difference between a shrewd businessman that um, Abramovich was uh, fucking all the other fucking personal shit. He was the best owner you could ask for, essentially, um, in terms of his shrewdness, in terms of his ruthlessness and his and in terms of his quest for trophies, not for fame, for fucking trophies. Um, and I think that it, this was all changed under uh, Todd Bo- Bowie's leadership. Um, we saw it this summer um, in his uh, malign pursuit for Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't want Cristiano Ronaldo because he thought the team would be better. He didn't think Cristiano Ronaldo would be that next step. He wanted Cristiano Ronaldo for the jersey sales. Um, and you look at the likes of the players that Chelsea is, is attracting at this point. And the similarities to Manchester United of yesteryear are parallel, if not stunning. And buying Aubameyang, because why? When was Aubameyang's trajectory in, a, in, a, in any type of upward fashion, other than maybe one or two games at Barcelona? Um, you, are, you are buying the likes of Kalabali, who is three years too late at, at this point in his career. And you are relying on the likes of Thiago Silva to lead your back line because you have no idea who to buy because you can't decide on a system and you don't have a direction from the upper level, from the management of the club. And that has been what is so wrong with Manchester United for so long. It is hard not to draw parallels between the two. But I do not see this club improving. I think that firing Tuchel, even though I was calling for it, even though I was saying Tuchel deserved to be fired because he was not a good coach um, at the end. But firing Tuchel was the last thing that they needed because now the fucking owners have all the fucking power. And that was fine when Abramovich had all the power because you know he just wanted that club to be the best that it, it ever fucking could. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Fucking win, and I will put my money into this club so it wins. You want him? You go get him. Now it's the owner saying, "I want him." No, I. You know what? He he's gonna sell a lot of. He was great. I want him. He was great at the World Cup. Let's fucking throw an insane amount of money so we can bring him and bring him in 
Even though, and what were you I saying to you? Graham Potter has no idea who the fuck Enzo Fernandez is. Well, I don't know about that, but like, you know what, what I mean? I know what you're saying. I think Graham Potter is like, how do I still have a fucking job? Um, <laughs> I think that's what he's thinking right now. But like, what yeah. were you saying about Benfica? I think they're calling their bluff to say like, hey, uh, like we we're no, 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 no. We want all the money. Yeah. So, uh, Chelsea and Benfica were negotiating over the price of, of Enzo Fernandez and, and Enzo Fernandez has a release clause that is 129 mil mil, like Kev said, but you know, clubs usually can negotiate around the release clause. That's just there. So nobody comes in with a super low offer and snaps him up for next, next to nothing. So they were negotiating for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden the negotiations fell apart. Um, and I'm sure that Chelsea were trying to lowball them, but if he was trying to get a little bit more money out of them, fucking yada, 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 everybody gets angry, fall apart. Now Benefica has come out and said, uh, if you want him, you got to pay his release clause. You got to fucking pay $129 million. He's our best player. If you want him, you pay this money. We're not negotiating with you anymore. And if they follow the Manchester United fall, Chelsea's going to pay that money because they are in a desperate situation. They have decided that Enzo Fernandez is this missing piece, that he's going to bring the club back to, to glory. And that even though Graham Potter probably doesn't know how he's going to use him, probably didn't consider him ever in his plans until three days ago, uh, he is going to be thrusted upon Graham Potter and Chelsea and everybody's going to be put in an awkward situation, and this club is going to sink lower and lower as these owners throw millions of fucking dollars at a problem they've created. So, Chelsea, I'm not seeing great things for you guys. So, Man City kicks their ass tomorrow? Absolutely. Up, down, left, right, fucking everywhere. That's too good. Yeah. I I don't have faith in this child. I think they really... It's crazy. What's your prediction? Are they going to fucking be able to retain their top three, top four, fucking fight for the Champions League shit? Or is it going to be a stagnation like Arsenal and United faced for all those years? I mean, at this point, I don't see them in top four. I would have Arsenal, City, Man United, and then between Tottenham and Liverpool. And then you got to throw Newcastle into there. It's not like... There is just two good teams, and then the rest are squabbling. There are several good teams this season that that can pull it up. Like Chelsea can't just limp their way in the top four, Mm -hmm. like they like they kind of been doing. Um, Arsenal is obviously much better. Man City are still Man City. Liverpool still has tons of talent, and then Tottenham has Harry Kane, Son, Antonio Conte, plus some other Kuzeski, Dory, like other good players. And then you have other teams that have gotten even much better. Look at Fulham. Look at. Uh, Brighton, look at Newcastle. These aren't gimme games anymore. Uh, speaking of which, look at Brentford, who kicked the shit, who have been so amazing against you know top teams who kicked the shit out of Liverpool the other day. Yeah, and and you know everything about Brentford, uh, you can't help but root for. Um, and it is super fucking unfortunate that Ivan Tony went off with an injury. I hope that he's fucking good. Maybe a, he bet on himself to get he, injured. Who knows? I over under do i <laughs> i guess he's not getting punished for it so fucking uh i hope he comes back soon um but this brentford fucking squad dude you can't fucking help but love them they're like lester of 2017 of 2018 where they're giant they killers bring it. They they're giant bring it. killers they've beaten mm-hmm. like everybody this season besides arsenal i think like and, all the top six yeah and and to do a quick quasi pivot to 
hit in on the Foxes, Lester, uh, they've forgotten everything. They've forgotten who they are. Kevin, they, they are not the team that they used to be. They don't bring it. They don't play without fear. Brendan Rodgers, it's time to go, but good Lord, I miss the old. Also, Foxes. David Moyes, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't. Bad, bad. It's time to go. Kev, we were kind of apologetic saying like, eh, maybe he can figure it out. But looking through a couple of hammers pages, uh, nobody wants him there. They are saying he's out of his fucking depth. The squad's ability. To there are compete. like, like usually we're like, who's on the hottest seat? I don't know anymore. Rogers, Moyes, Lampard. Like there are several managers where I'm like, how are you? You're still here after the new year. Also like, Southampton's manager. Who the fuck took over from Hasselhoff? Oh, um, we're a I soccer think... pod, and I should know this. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they fired my favorite German. Who did you fire him for? They probably promoted within and just have absolutely hamstringed him. I feel like I've not. I know I've watched like Southampton, but I feel like I have not watched Southampton all season. Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. <laughs> Nathan Jones. Nathan Who? Jones. Yeah. If you go, like, if you Google him, it just shows like a picture of him in like a Brighton, like, pool. Of, like, I guess he was a Brighton player. It's not great, bud. But you uh, don't, they don't even have a picture of him in like Southampton gear. It's him in Brighton gear. Him in Bright. Oh, shit, it is. You see what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah, that, I'm on the wiki. He's wow. that new, new. Hmm. Well, well, he did save uh, Luton Township from relegation uh, last season, um, but that was in the championship. So who knows if that's going to translate? But uh, yeah, after uh, Southampton's loss today as well, it's it's not looking good for the Southamptoners. No. Um, okay, I guess we can end with this. Uh, who's getting relegated? I guess since we're on this conversation, Ooh, it's a new year. Um, so yeah, that's an easy one. That's a gimme. So one Southampton, um, I'm going to say probably uh, wolves. I'll throw them in there. Ah, see my, I'm saying Nottingham forest. Fuck no, no, that that was my third one. That was was? okay. Cool. That was my second one. All right. Who's your other one then? So wolves survive. Wolves survive. They are survivors. I love that team. Um, I'm I'm kind of fucking stuck. I think this is crazy, but I think West Ham's going down. They really? should not. They should. They they're, they they have too much not. talent, man. I don't know. I just even Dude, David Moyes. Like I could see them finishing like 15th or 16th, but like relegated. I'm going, it, it, there's a dark cloud above that above those hammers right now, and it's it's tough to uh, get out of that dark cloud. I think if they fire David Moyes and they hire Big Sam, they'll be okay. Sean Deitch. Sean Deitch. Sean fucking Deitch, bring it it's back. Like, it's like the same colors as Burnley. It'd yes, be perfect. it is. It's, he's back. He's claret blue again. All right. Well, that's our show, guys. Uh, just want to say thank you. Just want to do a quick check-in on the Premier League, how all the other teams are doing. Hope you enjoyed our U.S. Men's National Team drama. And then also give paying the respects to the Brazilian GOAT. Pele. So, anything else, Martin? Oh, Ronaldo's in Saudi Arabia. He went to Al Nasser. Al Nasser.
that's how nice nice of him Um, all right well that happened uh who cares (laughs) he's gone yeah so all right well that's our show we love you bye i'll be your dream i'll be your wish i'll be your fantasy i'll be your hope i'll be your love be everything that you need i love you more with every breath truly madly deeply do i will be strong i will